as you mentioned, Nancy, I started when I was in high school. I, I was just really one day got an interest in local government. I had always been interested in, in, in politics and in, in federal government. I had always watched debates and was a, of a nerdy kid growing up and, and always had that interest. But one day I really got interested in learning about what local government does, because that's something that most of us do not learn about in any way, whether that be education or otherwise. So I thought the best way to learn about it would be to do it myself. And so I decided to run for council, as you'd mentioned, in my hometown of Frackville, where I ended up serving two terms on council, two elected terms, ended up being the vice president at one point. And it was such an experience at that age, debating with people who you know are, are two or three times my age at that point. Uh, and had experience in, in the town for their whole lives. So it was quite a learning curve for me, but I quickly caught the bug of municipal government. And to fast forward between that experience and, and where I am now as a municipal manager, I frankly just loved it so much that I decided to do it full time and get paid uh, to do yeah. what I love. Here I am all those years later, but really the what I've learned in local government is that the most impactful or the most rewarding form of government? Today we talk with Bradley Gottschall about why he is invested in the profession of municipal management and what makes him excited about the future. Hint. He sees the possibilities for technology to increase effectiveness and in delivery of services outreach to community, and efficiency within the organization. With so few young professionals in the pipeline today, he is one of a small subset of managers who are coming up through and has some very valuable perspectives for the future. He is currently the manager of Lower Paxton Township in Dauphin County, Pennsylvania. And I start by asking him to talk about the arc of his career. Be sure to check the show notes for more contact information. Now let's continue the conversation. As you'd mentioned in county government, I worked in the county treasurer's office. I worked for the district attorney. At one point I had run for a uh, county clerk of courts. Wow. And then I had also, as you mentioned, interned for and worked uh, for uh, state Senator Dave Argel. And among all those various layers of government, I've learned that local government is, as I mentioned, the most impactful. You can often see the direct results of what you do, the decisions you make, you paid in roads, plowing roads, collecting garbage and sewer, treating sewer. So it's very directly impactful on our residents and our visitors. So that's what I love about it the most. And I continue to do it and I continue to love doing it. So. That's great. I think it's, it is interesting to get that perspective from what's happening from the state level, what's happening from the, the county level. And uh, I'd like to ask you if you have any thoughts about who the heroes are in local government, because I do think there is a lot of aspects of the work that's unsung. And I wonder if you have some ideas and thoughts about that. Yeah, I'll use the word frontline, and I don't mean it in the way that I think probably most people uh, would automatically visualize. But what I mean by frontline is anyone that's doing the work of the municipal government beyond that of management. Because look, frankly, municipal managers, although we do incredible work, I believe, and again, I love doing 
we are what we are. We're generalists most of the time. Most of us, at least just in my case anyway, I don't particularly have experience in one department or coming up through one department. So I'm not necessarily uh, an expert in, in one particular field. Again, I'm a generalist. The heroes, in, in my view, are the ones that are expert in what they do on the field, on the, in, in the front lines, doing what they do. I'm talking people who are out there digging trenches uh, for the sewer department out there on the streets as police officers or out plowing the streets uh, at midnight or something like that. Those are the people who really make local government tick and who, who deliver the services that again, as I had mentioned before, are the most impactful to people. The decisions I make oftentimes are, are dealing with personnel or finance, bigger picture, longer, longer term planning stuff mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't get to see. But when we have people out there, again, plowing streets or arresting bad guys or something, or some of the more exciting aspects of local government, they're really the heroes that continue to make the local government work every day. So they are, in my view, the heroes of local government. The heroes. That's wonderful. And, and so the role of, of the manager in this case is really making that all possible and part of the professional models that you, it's really changed in the last couple of decades to thinking about the importance of helping get things out of the way so that the people that are coming up through and doing the directing frontline work are able to do it. So you're behind the scenes, making sure they have the resources they need, doing the long-term planning to know, you know, what they're going to need five years from now. And the people side of it, <laughs> which if you were to survey your staff, they'd probably tell you that's the toughest part of their work. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's a great analysis. That is really the way I think of my role is to get out of the way and my people do their work. I'm the coordinator. I'm the director of the ship, making sure that the staff is in working in concert with what the elected body desires long-term and really just making sure that our finances are in shape from a long-term perspective. So that's a really good way to analyze my thought on uh, the role of a manager. Let's move into a pet area that I have these days. And I think you and I are on the same page. It is looking at where we are going in the way of modernizing or making some improvement and efficiencies of operations that are possible, maybe because of new ways of thinking about how we do government, maybe because of technology. So I asked the question, this is a really tough question. So believe me, I, I, I'm just curious where your mind goes, but I, I asked you, before this interview, if you could think about where your job would be in 10 years, if you could imagine what the profession is going to look like, what do you think about? Yeah. Yeah. We, you and I, Nancy do talk about technology a lot. And I think that is the one word that kind of captures, I think where this is heading technology, but I think it's, it's almost like shifting public service into a, something that we don't have here in Pennsylvania, but that they have almost in, in other areas, such as in the New England states or, th or things like that, such as, cause I would describe like a town meeting type of a government wherein, and, and not that I mean that the local government across the board is going to turn into a town meeting model government where we have this direct democracy type of a, of a governance. But what I mean by that is, is having the government more and more meet people where they are using technology to better understand what they want, need, desire, and to better provide the services that people just inherently want and need 
out where they are. I see, and again, not that brick and mortar, what will ever cease to exist in local government will always have our town town halls and, and city halls, but transforming government more outside the bounds of those four walls and, and delivering services in more uh, technologically advanced ways. Again, I think communication will continue to progress to the point of constantly being a two-way street where we're communicating with people in their homes 24-7. And I think just moving more and more in that direction. And also in that way, it's government also honing in more on the success of their service delivery, collecting and using data more to hone in on those skills and just to ensure that we have the most efficient and effective governments possible. Because other than literally right now or the past two years where we have a lot of money flowing from the federal government down, it's the most money on the street in, in, in history, really. We're not going to see that in the future. And so local governments are going to continue into the future, having to do more with less. I know that's cliche, but literally having to do more with less. So it's how we do that in the most effective ways. But I think where it's heading more and more. Yeah. And it feels to me like we're in this messy middle ground where asked to evaluate in a organization, their question is, we don't know if we have the right amount of staff. All we know is everybody's stressed out. And what I see again and again is that there's just a lot of access. Meeting people where they're at and what they need is this brilliant, you know, idea. And yet getting there requires rethinking the way we do things because people can't be on 24-7. Whether it's being more intentional, which is what I'm exploring. I don't know if you've thought about this. Be more intentional about how people access or when they access. Like core hours where staff can be reached, but they know outside those core hours, other things are happening that they can focus on. I, those are just some of the thoughts. We need to have some better idea of the structure that it's going to look like our interactions and how we have that sort of qualitative time with people. We want to be accessible, but not like constantly on. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Uh, that's when I hear that, when I start hearing conversation go that way, I, I immediately get excited because that's exactly the kind of stuff I think about 24 seven is, and again, we're never going to have more money. I always tell my staff that the money is what it is. We're not probably not raising taxes here in, in a, a, a good period of time. We're not going to get more money. It is what it is. The way we can make our jobs better and reduce stress and, and do more again is to provide efficiencies and kind of just some examples are, as you'd mentioned, learning about what our peak hours are for a receptionist or other, or, or other key staff to best design our, our operational hours or when we are meeting people to do things. Another one is uh, just simply collecting data. We're talking about, again, we're not say, for example, we're not going to add another laborer position to our public works department. I want my public works department to be able to tell me to get stats on our trash cans. How many times are you emptying that trash can uh, a, a day or a week or whatever? Would it make more sense looking at a map of our trash cans within our parks? Would it make most sense to have this particular trash can switched out for one of these kind of solar powered self-compacting uh, trash cans where then in turn that would cut down on the number of times you are emptying that particular trash can per week from five to two, 
And so therefore, again, we're looking at our operations in a more micro level to, to hone in, in our efficiencies in, in the best way that we can with everything we do. That's the way we do it. So yeah, that, that kind of stuff is data collection is very important for what we do. And most of us don't do it. Most municipalities don't do it in an effective way. And that's one thing I'm, I'm really interested in doing. Wow. I, I think, I don't think I've had anyone talk about that with me. I, I've never gone down that. I, I think that is a, a very interesting area. If you could share more about your ideas, if not today, then another time, because I, I, I was going to ask you thinking about, as you talk, public works is almost like a sacred, I don't want to say sacred cow. That seems offensive. I don't mean it that way. It's it. I'm sure it's difficult. My experience in working with municipalities is that they're doing things the way they've been doing them for so long. And oftentimes, even pretty high levels, they're not familiar with use of data. You know what I'm talking about. It's changing, but it's not easy to get the ranks to think about, think in new ways. <laughs> yes. It, it, that's me. Have I, I won't talk about the history of it, but I, public works in particular, as you'd mentioned, are, are oftentimes those kind of types of departments where they do things a certain way. All the information is up in their head, and, and they're expert at that. There's no expert. denying, yeah, and there's no denying that, and they do their jobs well. The more we can do more with less, the better opportunity they have to continue to do those things that they are so expert in doing. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of pushback on some of those things. Why would you want to pick up five minutes here and there? Yeah, it doesn't seem like much on that one task, but if you start adding those five minutes, 10 minutes up that you pick up in, in doing things more efficiently, that adds up across the organization. And that's the kind of thing that I think you need a, a manager who understands those things. And again, we're not the experts, we're the generalists, so we can piece all those various aspects together to, to continue to drive that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. to continue to uh, push those things. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk more about that at some point. Yeah, and I think one of the examples that I like to recall is right after we had some really disastrous flooding, it was 10 years ago, I, I can't remember the, maybe eight to 10 years ago, but in one municipality that I worked in, they have different utilities and we did, we took all the supervisors who had never really had their own meetings, but from across all the public works and the utilities, and we brought them together <clears throat> to deconstruct how that emergency went because they had to think really fast and they had, they were really able to identify quickly what they didn't have in place before. And I think those kinds of opportunities is where if somebody with the power of data can say, there's a way we can track X, Y, Z. So we know exactly where that flooding is going to hit first. It's in their head. Mm -hmm. But what happens if they retire, you know, yeah. or leave? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And oftentimes when you have a person like that, that it's in their head and they're expert in that, they're not necessarily thinking about how does that impact the police department or the parks and rec department. It gets very siloed when you have a person like that. Yeah. That's uh, especially in uh, emergency situations that could be tremendously disastrous. And how are you working with GIS and your public works? Do you have an, an engineering firm or do you have your own GIS and are they working sort of side by side with some of the public works? 
Yeah, so actually just a couple of years ago for the first time, Laura Paxton hired a, a GIS coordinator on staff. First, actually within our, uh, our authority, we have a sewer and stormwater authority. They're township staff, but it's, it's a separate governing board and separate, mm-hmm. you know, pot of funds. But so we hired a GIS coordinator for that. And now actually right now that person had moved, moved away on us, but in replacing her, we are going to now be broadening the horizon of that individual township wide. So now that person, when we hire, when we hire that person, they will be now working with all departments. So as you mentioned, public works, parks and rec hopefully the police department, uh, things like that. Again, back to my idea, we should have a map for everything. Everything should be on a map. We should be collecting data. We should be collecting data on crash records and, and all these things to better provide services where they're needed, targeting services. So that person that we have on staff works through Esri and, and we have our licenses and things to make maps and, and man- manipulate maps. But we also, prior to having that person and also Concurrently with that person, we also work with our engineer, which is uh, GHD, to uh, to work on uh, GIS as well. Because we're such a huge township, we just we need more than just what one person can do. So right now, we have the, kind of that hybrid model of a staff person and an engineer helping That's us. Great. And I have to ask you, in terms of making all that visual, do you are you the visual person, or do you have somebody to help you? create it's so persuasive but it's got to be presented somehow that people understand what they're looking at do you have somebody that kind of knows how to do that or are you the point person we have on so for like the tech side we have as i explained the gis person who does the she had done that part of it putting the maps together and things and then we also have a, a communications manager who who does the other end the pr work and visualizing stuff that way kind of those two people kind of work to visualize that stuff. I think communications is a really rising field. And when you've got that and tech, you're like a superpower. (laughs) So good way to put it. Yes. (laughs) I wonder, I think having good data is certainly a healthy benchmark in in a municipal government. If you were surveying uh, a municipality to to, just, let's say whether it's a place that would be of interest to a municipal manager, like potential, like what would you, what are some measures for you of a healthy municipal government that is appealing to you? Yeah, I have identified, I think three that I, that usually jump out to me, which are it's, it's level of responsiveness. Again, that's just the best example that we could think of is obviously an emergency, but, but beyond that is, is being able to meet need as they present themselves in a very nimble way, whether that be financial, whether that be again, in dealing with an emergency, whether that be, I don't know whether to pick something, but it's having the organization be able to quickly pivot to meet whatever need that is and being able to push the bounds of that's how we've always done it. So it's that nimbleness and, and responsiveness. I think that's one of the primary benchmarks to a, a healthy local government. Another is again, going along with that, that data, uh, is just having a, and it's hard to quantify, like in a word, having an accurate and complete picture or analysis of themselves. So it's mm. again, it's, and again, not, I haven't really, and again, this is not a knock on lower packing, but uh, I have not really encountered a, a municipal government that, that I've been in, personally involved with. There are those out there, but 
that I've been personally involved with that does this well. And that's, again, just as I mentioned, how many times do we empty that trash can? And, and nobody can answer that question. That's a pretty fundamental, doesn't seem like much, but that's actually a pretty fundamental question. If we don't even know how many times we're entering that trash can or we're answering the phone uh, a day, that's a major problem uh, because that means we, we don't have an accurate understanding of how we are allocating resources to provide services. That I think is a pretty important benchmark. And again, there are those out there that do, I know a Cranberry Township uh, does stuff like that very well. And there are others, but that's very, and again, like the cost of doing those businesses and providing those services, that's fundamental. And then the third benchmark, I think that is important and is healthy is being prepared for the future. Municipal governments are driven by plans and plans are good, but as you've heard, Nancy, yourself, hundreds, if not thousands of times, we're very good at planning, but we're very good at also just putting plans on the bookshelf and, and never looking at them. There are two, two parts to planning. It's, it's planning, but also continuously referring back to those plans and implementing those plans into the daily operation of the organization. And again, I haven't really personally encountered a local government that does this extremely well. I just am, am, am working here in Lower Paxton to try to, to move us in that direction, which is to, again, Take whatever plan you're talking about. If we're talking about comp plans or whatever, look through that plan regularly. And I don't know what, a, one of the things I'm thinking about doing here in Lower Paxson is taking various aspects of that comp plan and literally making a form, uh, that we give, uh, to our community development office. And every time somebody comes in with a development plan, that developer must fill out a form that tells us how their development meets certain aspects of the comp plan. So it's not only making staff think about the comp plan, it's also making the public think about the comp plan and how their development plan corresponds with the already established long-term vision of the community. So yeah, things like that, that's what I mean by being prepared for the future using our plans, plans that we do so well on, on creating in the first place. Yes. I think about an early definition of leader that is always stuck with me and it's very simple. It's just helping people to think and act in di a different way. And I, I can only imagine the challenge that the managers today are, are, are facing just in working with teams, management teams. And I'm sure it's, it's a mix of what they bring to the table, but I guess I'm, there's, there's sort of the one-on-one -on -one working with the department and getting them to see the way their particular department can really step up. And then there's the idea of a team that's, that has to buy into this and understand the big value of doing this. And I'm just curious how that's going. <laughs> if you could, is there anything you could share? It's tough. It's very tough. And again, I think, I think it's a change often in, in leadership generations, I think leadership moving up to this point here that we are in, in, in the 2000s, 2022, I think up until this point, we've seen a lot of leadership that has been focused on, and again, this is not a knock, this is not a bad thing. It's just, it is what it is. More top-down authoritarian approaches to leadership, which is great. They did that well, it worked for them, but I think people especially in my generation of management, they're a bit more collaborative, mm -hmm. transparent, and that, that has its 
pitfalls as well, but it's getting everybody on the various teams together to talk about things in a way that they get to understand how the decisions made within their department impacts the entire township team. And that's, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. I think we, I've been able to implement some things here and there in lower packs and particularly that has helped to get us practicing those things. But frankly, what's really just helped the most is, and, and I, again, I, it sounds negative, but it's really not, is just some retirements, some more seasoned and, and tenured departmental heads just retiring and, and having new people come in and, and just do things differently. That's, that's not a good answer, but that's. Well, I think that's fair. And I think that, again, what I see in the, is this messy middle period, there is an important bridge there. And the bridge is that we preserve the institutional knowledge, where we've come from. It's part of the culture at the same time crossing over into a new way of doing things. And so I think there is that bridge of that is, it's going to take a while and I'm sure it's a terrific challenge. There are no answers. You find your way. And also I think about it's important to keep the relationships there. I've seen where there can be behind the scenes like frustration about the different ways of doing things, but coming together and just saying that there are relationships here that that are important for <clears throat> providing those services, which is why you're there in the first place. That So you really do have some real challenges before you. And I think yeah. that, that you were not alone. There's not many of you, Brad, but there's a few. You guys should have a club of such. I often think about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, too, in, in having that collaborative mindset, yeah, I'm not one to come in and just gut and change everything. I... In, in being so anxious and gung-ho about wanting to implement technologies and to radically change the way we do things, I'm also very understanding of the fact that we do have just generations of people that work here that don't necessarily want or know how to, to do things. That's a very big distinction too, is the difference between wanting to not know how to do something and just not knowing how to do something. So if people just don't know how to do something, it's how can we work to, to educate maybe if, if you're interested and, but yeah, I, I'm understanding of that and I respect and, and appreciate that too, yeah. but it, it's striking that balance. That's striking that balance. Yes. And I think you have a new neighbor kind of, well, he's there now, they yeah. walk up. And I, I think he has on different occasions at conferences spoken out and I I'm totally you hear him. He is saying it's, it's not a generation thing. We're all the same. Like we all want to be able to work together, to be collaborative and stop, you know, saying it's this generation or that generation. And I think putting that value first, that, that saying this is, I'm going to lead through this style and just presenting that without thought to, as you said, some are going to come on board and some aren't, it's going to come down to some personality. John Ernst in Lansdale, he came on and his leadership role, I was also worked with the previous manager, Timmy, when she was there. And that team had people that had been there forever and they came on board. Now it wasn't all smooth sailing. That's yeah. what your experience. It's not all smooth sailing. They came along and it was really amazing to blend that all the tradition, things that they had done forever, they hang on, they hung on to the really good piece 
And then they added some layers of, as you said, through retirement, they added some new ways of doing things. It's an art. It's an art form. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. I, I want to be respectful of, of your time today, but I have a couple more questions. Really, there is this this idea of what needs to progress or be preserved. And we're talking about that. There does seem to be a healthy debate going on. We heard this at the last APMM executive conference, just about diversifying. And really, my question to you, I think is what rings true for everybody, is that we need to make the field more appealing. If we're going to bring more people up into the field, diversity can mean a lot of things in a lot of different contexts. But if you just look at it from how do we become a little bit more diverse as a profession, again, a tough question, just wondering if it, if you were having a conversation within your small circle, what are some things that stand out to you as important? Yeah, that's, that's a really difficult question. I, I know a lot of, a number of municipalities, I shouldn't say a lot. But I know of a number of municipalities that are doing things pretty aggressively to try to attract a more diverse team, whether that be advertising positions within various geographic areas, which they may otherwise not have done. I know, yeah, just for example, as Chambersburg and I think State College and a number of other places have actually begun to hire equity and inclusion staff that are continuously trying to focus on looking at that topic particularly and things like that. Obviously, each municipality is different. We each represent different populations and, and different interests. I, I get a lot of shade and I, I probably among my peers for, for saying, but I don't necessarily know that it is the place of, it may be the place of our elected officials to be talking and looking at this, if it is a desire of the locally elected body to want to hire staff or implement policies that are more reflective of a certain population, that's great. And that's something that they should, should look at doing. I don't know though, that it's necessarily the role of a manager to be necessarily pushing these ideas. We work for elected bodies and we should understand that and we should understand what our elected governing bodies want from us. So it, it's a very difficult topic and I think there is no, I, I haven't seen the right way to do it yet. We're starting to, as I said, get into it and we're starting to see some places that are starting to implement some things that are headed in that direction, but it's very difficult. It is certainly very difficult. We just can't force people to want to do what we do. It's, we can certainly try to entice and explain what we do, but there's just no forcing people to do, to do something. So it's extremely difficult. So the elected officials, if they have an intention or an interest to, and a policy that they would like to have the organization reflect more diverse more diversity in terms of whether it's, it's ethnicity or it could be gender, it could be a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. That would be something that you would see as taking it into the realm of HR and trying to implement that if they are proposing that. Yeah. And I, and again, I know I'm going to get a lot of shade for this. Quite frankly, I, I don't think it's the role uh, or the place of say an ICMA, which represents city county managers 
or for example, APMM. I'm not, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to point out these organizations is doing something wrong or something necessarily that I disagree with, but I don't think it's the role of say those organizations that, that focus on building our managers, particularly not our elected bodies, but our managers. I don't know if, if it's the role of those organizations to be continuously pushing these ideas. Okay. We have to, we have to implement policies or we have to hire equity and inclusion staff. Again, if it is the, if it's the desire of the elected body to want to do that in a particular community, I'm on board with it. Yeah. Sign me up, put me to work, but I don't know that it's the role of a manager to, to necessarily push those, push those bounds. Again, I hire people based on qualification, quality of, of individual and work. If you could show me you can do the job, you're hired. It's uh, let's hire the best people and, uh, and get the job done. Because again, we, we represent the public. We represent the public dollar more importantly and, and how we can use those dollars in, in the most effective way. And just simply, just simply looking at pushing policies that, that solely focus on a diverse workforce rather than the best workforce is that's the kind of question that you have to ask yourself in, in a municipality. But again, some places are doing it exceptionally well. Like I said, State College and, and, and Chambersburg, that works for their organization. And I think from what I understand, it's working well. And it's some things that we're looking at here in Lower Paxson too, is, is how we can continue to further advertise positions to attract a, a workforce that represents our community. Mm. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I certainly heard it at this last conference that there's some real sort of differences in terms of how this might be approached. I think there's some unity in, in the idea that the diversity is a, a worthy and important goal it, for a healthy organization, a healthy community. But in terms of how that happens, and I guess there's a lot more to, to discuss among the man managers. I think that there was, we, did, we definitely heard that. Yeah. I just want to kind of put it on record to clear the air. I'm not anti-diversity or, or I, again, I'm not, I just, we just have to be, I think, especially careful in our profession, not to chase the word or the concept just because it's the new, it's the new fad of the day. That's. Government is slow by design. We're slow moving by design. We embrace new things and, and concepts by design. And uh, I just want to be careful not to have our managers too quickly jumping the gun or jumping on the latest fad just because it's, it's a real academic discussion and I, it has its place and I agree with it. It's just, I just go to these conferences sometimes. And I'm worried that we are too narrowly focusing our education of our professionals based on the fad rather than what it is we actually do. Tell me how to be the best manager and don't lecture me on these academic exercises. That's what I need to, that's what I need to be focused on. So, so not to get, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, but. No, thank you for sharing that. I, I, I think I understand is, is that. People want some deeper thought and not have this, as you said, a knee jerk, but something that's a more well thought out. And I think that's, I can respect that. And everybody has got a different place. So I think it's, it would be interesting to have more conversation about this. As you said, there are some that are venturing forward and let's see how that works for them. 
and that maybe we can learn from that because I certainly haven't been, this hasn't been at the forefront of my practice, but I am very interested myself in learning what is going on out there that does work because I think we do have a lack of diversity and I, yes, I you know, I, I'm ready to probe that question. And so I'm going to let you go. Maybe if you have any books or movies that you recently have been engaged with, that you recommend, I'd love to hear. Yeah. I'm a very slow reader. I love to read and I, I'm a reader. I'm a very slow reader, but oftentimes I'll have five or like right now, I think I have like maybe seven books or so going at once. That's <laughs> the way I read. But yeah, I love organizational theory books. I, I love biographies, especially presidential biographies or presidential studies, that kind of stuff. So some of the ones that kind of st stand out to, or I take, have taken a lot from have been in um, Leadership by Rudy Giuliani. That's a really good look at his time as, as mayor of the organization of New York City. Peak Performance by Brian Elms looked at the, uh, the city of Denver and how they really hone in on, again, efficiency within government and how they can provide the best service. The Gatekeepers by Chris Whipple, that was about presidential chiefs of staff throughout time and how they supervised and, and, and really guarded their president and kept their organization on track. For the Love of Cities was a good one by Peter Kayama, or I, I'm not sure how you say his last name, but that one was about how cities engage their citizens. And it really looked at specific examples of, of cities and what they do right and what they do wrong on engagement of their citizens. That was a really good one. And then I think the last one I had was The Director by, by Paul Letursky. That one was about the FBI under, under J. Edgar Hoover. Wow. And uh, again, look at the organization, but. That is quite a collection. Yeah. I, I can see you're in that inside chamber. What's, go <laughs> what's going on. That interests me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm a lover of biography and history and the organizational theory. I don't do so much of that anymore. I went through that period early, but anyway, I, I. I just enjoyed very much engaging with you, Bradley. Thank you so much for uh, joining me here today for the uh, PCC local time. So we'll see you on the other side. I sure will. We'll be in touch. So thanks, Nancy. It was, it was great talking with you. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. See you.